Hello everyone, it's your girl Teresa and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast and I am your host Teresa Reese. On tonight, you know how we do it, I will be reading a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry and The name of this poem is called, No Weapon. I have always been a champion with the power from within. By God's grace and mercy, I have overcome many tribulations. My desire is to succeed and to be at peace with my enemies. They are the ones who speak against me and who often doubt my abilities. So I owe this to myself and to my children too. Listening to the unbelievers only becomes my fuel. To reach far beyond the stars and prove that I'm a true victor. They have talked so much about me and have said some crazy things. But in spite of it all, those weapons aren't prospering In fact, no weapon that is formed against me will ever prosper. My God has made this promise to me. And yes, he is my anchor. So whenever my enemies try to come against me, I can find confidence in knowing that the weapons that are forming aren't even prospering. So tonight I wanted to just talk about how adversity can become our fuel. Anytime that when I used to run track, you always got to warm up. You always got to get ready for the race and stretch. You got to make sure you stretch and You kind of do a little practice, just a little bit. Get your blood flowing. And you kind of project your distance. You keep it in your mind. You kind of look around at the competition. And you make sure your mind is right. You kind of say a few words to yourself to encourage yourself on the inside. You listen to your coach, you get ready, you shake it off, you shake the nerves off, you do all that good stuff to prepare for the race. And you might get a glimpse or two of someone that you've competed against before and maybe you won that race, but now you're in a whole different race. And so your nerves might start getting kind of jiggery. That's probably not even a word, but it is tonight. (laughs) but your nerves kind of, you know, they're a little rattled a little bit. And so you're like, okay, you know, you got to think on those things that are good. Think on those things that are pure, that are of virtue, shake it off, shake it off. That are of good rapport, shake it off, shake it off. And so you got to get your mind right because you're about to get in this race. So you, you got to stay in the zone so that you don't get deterred. Make sure your laces are tied. Make sure your hair is pulled back. You're doing all that good stuff. 
You look in the crowd. You might glaze over the crowd. See if some of your loved ones are in the crowd. See if they're rooting for you, praying for you, <laughs> saluting you as you get ready to run down the track. And when they tell you to position yourself, you do just that. And you hear on your mark, get set. And then it's like a, a boom that says go. And so right in that moment that you hear go, you have your stride going. You got your tunnel vision going. You got your arms flaring. And you're just mind on the finish line. And your objective is to be the first. So I am trying to get to the finish line. Eventually, people are falling behind you. You might be neck and neck with your competitor from a few track meets ago. But you are keeping your eye on the prize because you know that at the end of the finish line, if you hear that time and know that you were first, there are some rewards that come with that. And so all of a sudden, all of those thoughts that you had in your mind before the race began, things that happened leading up to when the race began, all of a sudden when you're in the race itself, those words fade, those memories fade, and your vision is on the now. And it's like that in real life when we're running this race. Sometimes we hear the negativity, we see the negativity, you may have a vision, you may have expressed it to a couple of people and at first they seem all excited, but then when it doesn't manifest, I guess the way they figured it would, then it's like they kind of fall by the wayside. Those small voices just fall by the wayside. And then you have your loved ones in the crowd that they're cheering for you because you're almost at the finish line, finish line. So they're like, oh, you know, you, you got this, you got this. Yeah. <sighs> You got this, you know, so that whole thing is going on. So you hear the cheering. Then eventually the further down you get to that finish line, it's just you and the wind and that finish line. If you believe in God, he's with you too. But you're in the zone and everything else just fades away. So in that moment when it's just you and the wind or you and God, you are literally moving at a pace that feels ever so comfortable and it feels ever so right because it's just you and the wind and you have found your zone. And you may have, you may sense the competitors like next to you. You may sense the adversity is around the corner but it's something about being in your zone. That's how I feel when I worship God. It doesn't matter what is going on around me. The moment that I surrender and I reverence and I give him the glory, the honor, the praise and just stay in that moment in the wind in him. 
everything else falls by the wayside. In that moment, all I feel is gratitude. There's no sense of worry. I start releasing. There could be something on the inside of me that maybe I've been holding on to, didn't even realize I was holding on to it. I get in this moment of worship and all of a sudden it comes up and it comes out and I cry. One minute I'm crying, the next minute I have tears of joy. The next minute I'm in spiritual warfare. It just depends on what's going on. But it's something about worshiping him. And I mean truly worshiping him to where everything else just falls. As if nothing else matters. But the moment that you have with him. And it is the most glorious, serene feeling. And it's necessary. At least I know it is for me. And what I've, I love about those moments is that they're not pre-rehearsed. They happen at the I'm going to say strangest of times because I could just truly, truly be in my own zone, so to speak, minding my own business, tending to Teresa. <laughs> and a thought will drop in my spirit that'll cause me to start thanking God for his goodness, for his faith, for his mercy. For his unconditional love. Before I know it. Before I even know it. I am engulfed. In the thought. Of the great I am. And I love to just. Bask there. And to be in that moment. And to just. Every. Thought. Of gratitude. Everything. That I may not have taken time out to say thank you for it comes up like a wellspring of just refreshing water and I just spend that time thanking him for everything that he has ever done for me knowingly or unknowingly I had a friend she called me earlier today I, I really consider her more like a sister but I had a friend that called me earlier today and we have a tendency like one of our habits is that when she gets off of work sometimes she'll call me before she goes to work and then we'll stay on the phone until she gets to work and then sometimes she'll call me after she gets off of work and we'll stay on the phone until she gets home and it's an opportunity for her to decompress for us to check in with one another see how we're doing you know if, if she has something to get off of her chest I'm there if I have something to get off of my chest I'm there and God orchestrated that we were classmates years back lost touch reconnected and I had lost a really really dear friend of mine about three years ago I think it is it's about to be three years and so um when I lost her we had been friends for well over 15 20 15 to 20 years and she was the person that I used to talk to all the time 
and her name is Cynthia. And so when I lost Cynthia, I, you know, sometimes you can go through something because she was so close to me. She literally was like a sister. And I didn't know the magnitude of the void that was left when she left my life. And so the way God orchestrates things, my classmate and I reconnected. And it was my mom who brought to my attention that God had replaced that void the best way he saw fit. And that was to put Keisha where Cynthia once sat in my life. And so she was telling me about a situation on her way home. And she was asking me how I, and I don't watch the news a lot. So she's really like my informant in a lot of ways because um, I just don't watch the news a lot. And so she's my informant when it comes to politics. She's my, you know, it's just, I just, I, I lean on her in those regards. And so she called me and she was telling me about this particular incident. And I told her I had not, you know, seen anything on Facebook because I've been trying to stay away from Facebook. So I hadn't seen anything on Facebook and she proceeded to tell me what it was that I missed. And when she told me what it was that I missed, my heart felt like it just broke. And she shared with me about an incident where a gentleman had found out that he had a disease that he did not have long to live. And I am truly paraphrasing because I don't remember line upon line, precept upon precept, but I'm going to give you the gist of the story. And he was a former doctor and he went to a clinic, a location, had never had any history with this lady doctor. And he had a duffel bag in his hand. He asked a few questions Long story short, he murdered her and then he committed suicide. The moment that I heard that, I had to process that, but my heart was so hurt. And I thought about how people, some, not all, but how some people can be going through so much trauma They feel as if they have no one to talk to or no one will understand. But instead of taking their own lives, they take someone else with them. And of course, I know that this is the work of the devil. But it never stops hurting me at the level that it hurts me when I hear innocent people dying Because someone was not healed. And it hurt because she had children. It hurt because I'm sure there was nothing that she did to deserve to die that way. And then you can't even ask the person that did what they did to her why. Because he took his life too. And it's moments like that that I start to realize just how blessed I truly am. 
Because there have been times that I've been in traffic and I have fussed, even cussed, because things were not moving the way that I thought that they should. There have been times that I've been aggravated and agitated standing in a grocery line and maybe have breathed too hard or huffed and puffed too loud. There have been times that I have been in a a heated argument with my significant other and could have said the wrong things at the wrong time. All of those different scenarios that I provided all could have ended in my demise or the other person's demise at my hands. I am grateful for the grace and the mercy that has been bestowed upon my life through the course of my life because I have not always gotten it right 100%. And even in my ignorance, even in my naivety, even in my boldness, even in the nerve of me, even in my audacity, my creator saw fit to preserve my life. And for that, I am eternally grateful. My heart goes out to every person who has ever lost a loved one due to homicide, suicide, health matters, neglect, whatever, just heart, broken heart. Like it's so many reasons that people could lose their lives. But my heart goes out to anybody affected by a loss. Because life is so valuable and life is so precious, but it's not promised. It's most definitely a gift. Most definitely a gift. And so it hurts my heart when I hear of people that are innocent dying, being murdered for no reason at all. Because somebody got a diagnosis and because they didn't want to live any longer, instead of taking that burden by themselves, they placed it on someone else. How many times have I done that? How many times have you done that? Maybe not to the extent of murdering the person. Or was it? Could it have been that by saying the wrong thing in the wrong tone, that person's spirit got crushed? Could it be because we didn't know how to speak the truth in love? We murdered someone, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, their goals, because we didn't know how to project edification, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, meekness, because we didn't know how to project that and minister that and speak that into someone else. How many times have we been used as that vessel to murder an innocent soul? I've been guilty too many times to count. 
So I repent in this moment forever harming anyone with my words, with my actions, or with my deeds, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and causing them mental, physical, emotional harm. Because no one deserves for their life to be snatched from them prematurely because I wasn't mature enough to handle my truth. I apologize to anyone who may hear this message now, a few years from now, or whenever, that if I've ever offended you, hurt your feelings, made you feel lesser than, made you feel that you were unworthy, or made you hate me because of the words that came out of my mouth, I wholeheartedly apologize. It has never truly been my intent to ever hurt anyone. But I'm starting to realize that even in my ignorance, that I could have done a lot of damage to a lot of people. And for that, I am so, so sorry. Future hubby, I hope and I pray that if and when God provides you the revelation of the magnitude of how we speak to people, how we treat people, what we do to people, that it could have the same exact effect as it did on that doctor who didn't ask for her life to be snatched from her. But because this person did not know how to process his pain, she died. Let it not be said that I am guilty of murdering someone with my tongue from this day forward. As I repent from anything that I've ever said or done in the past that that may have been said. And I ask God to forgive me. Because I don't want that lingering. I don't want that lying dormant within me. I don't want that around me. I don't need that energy around me. I am trying to be a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That includes my language. So this is going to conclude my podcast on tonight. I hope that it blesses someone. But y'all know how I do it. I've got to read a letter to my future hubby. This was written January the 27th of 2021. And it reads, Dear future hubby, I am a worshiper. I could be driving down the street, minding my own business. And when the spirit of the Lord takes over, I am in full worship mode. I could be parked at the grocery store getting ready to go inside to grab a few groceries. But when the spirit of the Lord takes over, those groceries will have to wait. Or just like tonight, I could be in the middle of a project, see a notification that someone has tagged me in their post, take a closer look, and realize that I was tagged because they are wearing my brand. Overcomer. Period. Oh, dear future hubby, I really tried to keep my composure, but before I knew it, what started out as thank you, Lord, 
quickly turned into an all-out worshiping session. I felt that I should let you know because I'll never apologize for worshiping my Abba Father. He's been too good. I love you. Love, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening or morning, depending on when it is that you hear this podcast. And do me a huge favor, because like I always say, I need you to take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Bye and be blessed.